Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello, welcome to Good Job, where we interview inspiring people from the music industry. We follow their journey from their very worst job to present day and find out what makes them them. Yes, that roar was from outspoken Irish singer-songwriter Sinead O'Connor performing her cover of Nothing Compares to You. Sinead O'Connor's vocal style was a huge influence on my vocal development. I loved how she approached singing with complete emotional freedom and embraced the ugly and the aggressive as well as the hauntingly beautiful and fragile. When her management emailed me to confirm the meeting, I was so curious to meet the woman who embraced this contradiction so readily, both in her music and in her day-to-day life. I mean, everybody in music has a story in terms of their upbringing or where they came from or what they went through. You know, there's something they need to get off their chest. and Perhaps we all need a bit of love and affection that we didn't get anywhere else, but we get by making music. In this episode, I chat to Sinead about how music impacts society, why she reverted to Islam, and how the youth are making a better world. One of the refreshing things about Sinead is that she's honest, even when she knows she might be outspoken. And she was very generous in giving out a short slot of time before she played a show in London. We had limited time to discuss our thoughts, and of course, there are some things that I agree with and some things that I don't. But either way, I think the topics are worth discussing, and it was certainly interesting to hear what she had to say. So the podcast starts the same way every time. What has been your very worst job? And this is interesting for you because you have always been in music, haven't you? Well, I had a lot of jobs previous, mostly in catering, you know, waitressing or kitchen portering. I also was a kissogram girl for a while when oh. I was a teenager. I and I also worked in a chip shop. Okay. Um, let me see. I guess I've been lucky. I don't think I've ever had a job I didn't like. If if anything, sometimes parts of the job I currently have I I don't like. I love the making mm. music part, but I hate the business part. Okay. Okay. So I, I that's the worst part of any job I've ever had. I think is dealing with the kind of financials and business aspect of music. That just I'm not I'm not made for that. I can't speak its language. You know what I mean? It makes me really over anxious. Yeah, yeah. I just yeah. get terribly, terribly over anxious about it, and you know, mm. work myself up, yeah. making mountains out of molehills. And I'm the same though. I uh, have to get someone else to help me yeah, with these, those sorts of things. Know, yeah. So, but I don't know. I think the kissogram girl job was probably one of the worst insofar as I wasn't very good at it. What does that even involve? Well, it was the 80s, so it was all very um, tame, and it was Ireland, so it was mm-hmm. even tamer. Mm-hmm. So, 
you just had to wear like a French maid outfit and you know, <laughs> go and put a pair of knickers on a guy's head and read a stupid poem in a French accent. Do you know <laughs> what I, mean? I just wasn't very good at it. Yeah. You know? So I didn't really like that job from the point of view that I was so shy. Yeah. That, that was the only reason I didn't like it. You know. But Could you do the French accent though? Uh, not terribly well, no. Yeah, that's not the bit that I well. was struggling. I'd be shaking reading the poem, and uh, like I wouldn't be sexy. I'd be standing there in, you know, in the dress oh, and everything, but I wouldn't at all be sexy. I was just ter- terrified standing there shaking. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Do you think the person you were then could have imagined you now where you are? Um, no, I never really thought about it because you know the way when you're young, like I was only sixteen at that time. You're really mm. living in the moment, aren't you? When you're that age. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You don't really stop living in the moment until you get to about 20, 21. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I didn't really have any kind of plans or projections or, you know, Mm. even when I made my first record, I didn't. All I I was doing really is I had shit to get off my chest. Mm -hmm. I wasn't really thinking about whether I'd sell records or whether I'd... It it all just happened. Do you know what I mean? But my only reason for... Like, I always feel you should only ever make a record because you're going to go crazy if you don't. You shouldn't really be making it for any other reason. You know what I mean? Whatever follows after that follows, you mm-hmm. know. And that's what's driven you the whole way. Yeah, pretty much. If like I, I would only really write songs if I had something niggling at me that I needed to, I couldn't find a different way to express. Do you know what I mean? So. Well, I read this article and they said that you had a voice of pain and faith, which I think is a really nice expression in a yeah. horrible way at the same time. No, it's very good, good description. You know. Yeah. But, uh, I think it's a specifically Irish voice mm-hmm. that that's a a, a a sound of Ireland in, in many ways, you know. I agree. There's definitely a certain yearning or a certain calling mm. or a certain, you know. In folk music as well. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Is that, do you think your roots come from that? I do insofar as not so much folk, but protest music that, that I grew up in the 70s. I was very lucky to be you know, 11, 12, 13, throughout mm. the 70s and even younger. And the, the standard of music was so spiritual. Mm-hmm. Oh, you know, if you look at The Last Walls, for example, which is so appropriately named, every single artist on there is extraordinarily spiritualized, mm-hmm. you know. So and they were all protest singers to some extent, whether it was just by their demeanor or or whether, you know, it was by their actual song. So there was a reason in the 70s for going into music that was not just entertainment. It was changing things, you know. And that's different now, you know, I suppose. Well, I think that finished the day John Lennon died. Mm. That if you notice what happens when John dies is music becomes electronic. Immediately you have, you know, Duran Duran and all of these types of bands where nobody's playing any real instruments and nobody's mm-hmm. singing about anything but love mm-hmm. or breakups or sex or <laughs> champagne, you know what I mean? Yeah. That, um, you know, even artists like Bob Dylan bec- begin to be less political. Mm-hmm. Um Nobody believes really anymore that John Lennon was was purely shot by some crazy fan. You know what I mean? Music was very, very dangerous because it was so spiritualized. And of course, the the day the music died, as the song talks about, as far as I'm concerned, is the day that John Lennon died. Generations began to be groomed then to write songs about nothing, not mm-hmm. to write songs that would change anything and for artists not to become anti-war heroes mm-hmm. or, you know, to become the kind of heroes that now you see these young people like that Greta girl B yeah. and the other lady, the African lady who's girl whose name I can't remember, the two young women and the children now standing up to do things. That's very interesting. But I do still think that even this generation of songwriters are being groomed. You know, the the music is so sexualized and the young ones are being so sexualized at such a young age and all they're writing songs about is sex and they're not encouraged to write songs that might give you the chills. 
Do yeah. You know? Yeah. And nobody goes on stage in just their jeans and T-shirt and gives you the chills, mm-hmm. you know. Do you think it'll ever get so, back to that? I I don't know. In a way, I, I do, I suppose, because music tends to come in circles and cycles. Mm-hmm. You know, like Jimi Hendrix used to say, if six was nine, do you know what I mean? The things mm-hmm. can come around. So it's bound to happen. Heroes appear when the world needs them. Mm-hmm. You know? And I think the world might need it so, right now. You know, yeah, but see, the heroes are appearing in different arenas, like this Greta young lady mm-hmm. whose surname I can't remember, forgive me, and also like the other young African girl who I was only watching her on telly this morning, I can't remember her name, the two very similar characters, mm-hmm. you know. And even the way you see the young the children in America stand up against the gun laws and this, that and the other, you know. So you see revolution happening, but but not necessarily through music, but still through young people, you know, younger mm-hmm. and younger, which is incredible, you know. You started... At a very young age. How was that for you? Because for Greta, she has such media attention and horrible things said about her. And that must have been so tough for you. You must associate with that. Well, when I was young, I used to read it. And so it used to upset me. And then I got smart. By the time I got to about 21 or 22, I didn't read a good or bad. So I don't often read even good reviews. Occasionally Mm -hmm. I will. If I'm feeling a bit down or something, I need Mm -hmm. a bit cheering up. I might let someone send me something, but I, d- I don't think it's wise to buy into good or bad necessarily because it's all just someone's opinion, mm-hmm. you know. It doesn't really mean anything. But yeah, when I was young, I used to get really, really annoyed about it. I'd be ringing up the sun saying, start running, I'm coming in, you know. Mm-hmm. Doing yeah. Those were different times as well. There used to be a band called Killing Joke in the 80s and, and they went to, the singer went into the offices of NME one day and emptied a load of offal onto the editor's desk to complain and it used to be in those <laughs> days we would we would complain I used to ring up Piers Morgan when he was the editor of the Sun and tell him to start fucking running <laughs> but now I don't know everybody's got a PR agent and wants to be all careful and mm-hmm. you know not say anything that might get them in trouble you know what I mean so, yeah what yeah. what about you do you mind I don't really give a shit no yeah you just say really what you feel shit. I think that's something that's been to, refreshing about you throughout your well I guess career. I've always been that way but I've also got like I'm 53 now and as women get older and, and become grandmothers which I am you be, mm-hmm. you definitely get less concerned with what anyone thinks you mm-hmm. just tell anybody what, what it is you really think you can't help it there used to be a brilliant show which you might not remember because you're so young um called that's life it was Esther Ranson okay, no, had this that. show and she used to interview people in the street and old ladies and that and she always said that elderly ladies were the best people to talk to because she, she would ask their opinion about this or the other, you know, mm-hmm. sex or whatever, you know, and they would always say exactly what they thought. Nobody else would. If you had any advice for young people who were entering the industry, what mm. would that be? What would you I'd say, say to them? I'd say don't. Really? Absolutely go yeah. and get a different job. Yeah. You know, what have you or at least be prepared it? to get a different job 10 years from now. Yeah. Okay. I, I don't know. You got to be slightly mental to get in the music business. Mm-hmm. If you're mental enough to handle it and you're in love with music enough to handle it, you know, it's a, the business end of it, as I said, is what w- can be soul destroying, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. So you got to be really sure that you know, it's a bit of a deal with the devil. Do you know what I mean? It's it's a, it's not the most spiritual of arenas to be in, you know what I mean? So you've got to be real strong in your faith, whatever that might be. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I don't necessarily mean religious, but your faith in yourself. Mm-hmm. And you've got to be a bit fucking mental. Do you know what I mean? And uh, you got to be, I suppose, like politicians, you have to not give a shit what anyone thinks or says or does. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And, you know, if you're going to second guess yourself all the time and beat yourself up for what you think, say or do, then you're not going to handle it either, yeah. you know. I don't know, if it were my children, for example, I would really plead with them not to go into it. It's not the easiest of jobs and, you know, for girls, I think it can be 
quite borderline prostitution in some ways. You know what I mean? You have to be really strong. You've got to be strong enough to keep your clothes on. I wouldn't have liked my daughter to get in the music business, partly because I would have been afraid that media would have treated her like they treat me. Do you know? And they would have been waiting for every word out of her mouth to sound crazy or this out of the other. Mm. I would have been less worried if my sons went into music okay. than if my daughter went in. Yeah. Do you know? It's more about society as a whole, though, isn't it? Yeah. Rather than just the music yeah. industry. Well, I mean, look, look, we all, every musician on earth ended up in rehab at some point. Do you mm-hmm. know what I mean? That's not for nothing. It's not an easy job. It yeah. sounds very glamorous. And it is great fun performing. Or mm. making music, the, the, but you only maybe spend 4% of your time doing that. The rest of the time is the business and then schlepping around and the whole... Uh, so you got to mm. be a bit mental to love that yeah, and yeah, to be yeah. able to handle it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So do if you you're think, in any way delicate, I, wouldn't, I would go and get a job in a chip shop. Do you think that it's the sort of personality that is attracted to music? Though? Oh, yeah, definitely, definitely, definitely. Yeah. I mean, everybody in music has a story in terms of their upbringing or where they came from or what they went through. You know, there's something they need to get off their chest and perhaps we all need a bit of love and affection that we didn't get anywhere else, but we get by making music and stuff like that. You know, Everyone's a bit dysfunctional and degenerate. We're all school dropouts. Mm-hmm. You know, I always say, and it sounds like I'm joking, but I'm not, but, like, I was so incapable of learning you know of studying or doing anything at school that i had to Mm. resort to singing and i still can't really add two and two do you know what i mean Mm. this mother's day celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from blue nile whether it's for your mom a mother figure or yourself as a mom find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation explore blue nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Okay, the quick fire round. Tea or coffee? Coffee. Music or lyrics? Lyrics. Cats or dogs? Cats. Creativity or logic? Creativity. Yeah. Plane or train? Train. Beer or wine? Neither. Sweet treats or savoury snacks? Sweet treats. City or countryside? I guess I'd have to say country. Bit of both. I, I can't choose. I'd have to say half and half. Half and half. Matching or odd socks? Any socks. Any <laughs> socks. <laughs> okay. Guitar or piano? Guitar. Friday night in or Friday night out? Friday night in. Cool. Modern or vintage? Vintage. Black and white or technicolour? Technicolor. Moose or mouse? Mouse. Mouse. You're the first one that said mouse. Oh, really? Everyone goes for moose. Oh, I love mouses. I think they're cute as yeah, well. Yeah, I used to have a mouse when I was a kid called called Jumbo. You had a mouse as yeah, a pet? Yeah, I used to take him around to me everywhere. Everywhere I went, I had a little box with holes in it, and this mouse was called Jumbo. Jumbo because it's so small. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, this is the part of the episode where I give you a fun fact about our guest. And in the episode, Sinead talks about a young woman. 
The young woman she is talking about is Yaka Malathafa and she is definitely someone worth knowing. Aged only 17, Ayaka was one of 16 children, including Greta Thunberg, who filed a complaint against the United Nations Committee of the Rights of the Child for failing to address the climate crisis. Ayaka's journey started two years ago when she faced hardship due to drought in her area. After learning about climate change, she realised the impact it was having on her community. She has since become a leading voice on climate change in Africa and hopes that more diverse voices will be heard in the fight to care for our planet. Wow. So you've recently changed religion mm. or you've reverted, was it? Is yeah, that's your, what we call term. it in Islam. Yeah. You've changed your name to Shahada as well. Yeah. And your surname as well. Yeah, no, I haven't legally done it. Okay. I just, you know. And is this something that you've always felt that you've wanted to do? No, I never thought I would. Uh, I mean, I was born into a religion, I guess, a, a theocracy, which was appalling. And I began studying scriptures when I was very small because mm. I wanted to see what was in this book that they were using to oppress my people. You know, why were my grandparents so miserable that they couldn't have a kiss without feeling like they were going to burn in hell? So I began to study scriptures quite young and then I got very interested in theology and I spent years studying all different theologies. And I always, thank God, I had a huge faith in whatever I would call God. I don't like the word, actually. I think it's a bit off-putting. Um, but I never thought I would choose a religion because I thought I didn't want to be exclude the others, if you like. But, and I left the study of Islam to last because actually I had so much prejudice. Do you know what I mean? There's mm. such a lot of nonsense talked about Islam yeah. and I believed a lot of it. And then I was bored one day and picked up the the Quran. It was the last one. I had gone through Hinduism and everything, which I loved. Um, and then when I picked up the Quran, I, I, I just read chapter two and that was it. And it, it stated that its reason for existing was to confirm all previous scriptures. And that sounded lovely to me. And... Um, I discovered that really all a Muslim is is a person who believes that nothing in the world should be worshipped other than God. And uh, I don't know, I just felt like I'm home. I'm absolutely home. Everything I read was like, Jesus, I've been a Muslim all my life and I didn't realise it, you know. Islam is like a family. It doesn't mm. have a nation. It's like a family. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So everyone is brother, sister, auntie, uncle or whatever, you know. Mm. Even this morning I had a lovely experience. Muslim people are so beautiful, so kind, you know, yeah. terribly misrepresented. But I was sitting in a cafe this morning and a man went by and I gave him some money. And this other English man was sitting here beside me, started telling me I shouldn't have given this guy some money or whatever. He was actually very sweet, the old the English man. But a young Muslim gentleman that was standing in the street misread the situation and thought that this man was being angry with me. And mm. this young man came over to me to ask me, was I all right? And did I need any help? Do you know what I mean? That's so nice. Which I think is sweet. And that's the kind of way it is when you become Muslim. Muslim yeah. strangers will uh, will help you out. What in your career has been your greatest accomplishment, do you think? Or in your life? It doesn't have to be career. Well, obviously, apart from my kids, um, I've been really lucky in my career. I, every dream I ever had came true. And even things I didn't dare dream came true. People I performed with. Like Lou Reed or, wow, yeah, you know, my favorite band in the world is a, a reggae band called Israel Vibration. And mm -hmm. one of my favorite times in my life was um, go, going with my friend Benjamin Zephaniah to see Israel Vibration at Brixton Academy. And the next thing they invited me on stage to sing, I nearly sang the whole gig holding <laughs> the hand of the lead singer, singing Amazing. these songs that had literally saved my life. Do you know what I mean? So that was an incredible night, you know. And what about your greatest challenge? I suppose like everyone, my greatest challenge would be my personality defects, if that's the right word. I don't think it is the right word, but, you know, 
well, I think everybody's greatest challenge is their self-esteem. That's I mm-hmm. suppose that's a better way to describe it. Not personality defects, but self-esteem. Not to beat oneself up and not to be too over anxious. And do you know what I mean? Just to chill the hell out. That's yeah. my biggest challenge. I'd be I'm a very um over anxious person. I would tend to make mountains out of molehills and think they're do you ever see the movie called um a series of unfortunate events. Yes. Yeah. You know the Meryl Streep character? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's me. Yeah, okay. You know, don't go near the fridge, it might fall on you. Yeah, yeah, Don't yeah. go near the radiator, it might hit you. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Whatever, I get a bit that way. That's a huge challenge for me. Not when it comes to performing. Yeah. Just ordinary things in life, like going to the post office. Do you know okay. what I mean? I'm a bit like chicken licking, you know, the sky's <laughs> going to fall on your head, you know. Yeah. Have you had doubt about your, your talent or your success? Have you ever doubted that? Or has that always been quite stable for you? I think I take it for granted and that might be the wrong way to say what I'm trying to say. I don't think about it. I don't sit around thinking I'm so talented. Do you mm-hmm. know what I mean? And I don't sit around questioning whether I am around either. I just think I'm when it comes to being an artist, I'm just me and I'm the best me that I can be. And if people like my, what I do vocally or whatever, that's that's great. Do you know what I mean? But I don't really sit around thinking about it. Do you know what I mean? I, my managers tell me, which is probably true, and so do my children that I don't seem to realize that I'm talented, you know, that mm-hmm. I would, that they think I, the fact that I don't think about it or whatever much that I, I almost do that to a fault. They think I should be a bit more observant of the fact I've been successful or that I'm talented and things yeah. like that. I'm, I would try. I, my parent, my father in particular would have brought me up to be extremely humble. My father's a very, very humble person. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So. I would like to keep that kind of humility about what I do. I think if you get cocky, that's when you mess up. I think that's a lovely quality. So, yeah, I, well, I hope to to keep it, do you know what I mean? And I do think if you you get cocky on stage in particular and you start thinking you're great, that's when mm. you're doing your worst job, actually. And I, in fact, when I've done shows over the years, whenever I've thought to myself, oh, shit, this is going really badly, that's when everyone tells me the gig was great. And conversely, whenever I've thought, oh, this is not the gig. It's actually not the greatest show ever, do you know? Yeah. So you have to really not be cocky. Yeah. So I would say prayers before I go on. I mostly first ask for forgiveness because I'm such a fucking asshole. Do you know what I mean? And then I just ask if I can be a priest. I want to be like a priest that when people come to the show, they feel like they went to church, only better. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So if I can focus on that, that also keeps me aware. It's not me I'm working for. So it's like you're of service to your audience. That's what I'm hoping. Do you know what I mean? And then that's of service to me. And it's also in Islam, what's lovely in come opposite to Catholicism in, in Catholicism, you, you can never be forgiven. There's no redemption. You're just a sinner. And that's that. Whereas in Islam, you can make up for bad deeds by doing good deeds, you know. So that's how I've always felt since I was a teenager about singing, that, mm-hmm. that singing makes up for any bad shit I did, you know, or do, you know. So it's not only that it's of service to other people, but it's of service to me that I do something useful. Well, I think you touch a lot of people's hearts mm. with your singing, so I, I think you're doing so. a good job at it. I hope so. Yeah. Well, thank so. you very much for the, for the interview. Thank you. It's been great chatting. Thanks. Yeah. Thank you. Bye. Big thanks to Sinead. She has recently updated her 2021 tour dates and will be touring the US and Ireland. You can find them at her website, which is SineadO'Connor.com. 
Don't forget to subscribe, rate and review us on your podcast app of choice. It really helps us share these amazing stories with more people. We love your feedback, so do drop us an email at goodjobatbethroars.com. And if you'd like to support the podcast and get early access to episodes, please do head over to our Patreon, which is patreon.com slash bethroars. Once again, massive thanks to Sinead, to her managers, Kenny and Carl, to James and Kazra at One Fine Play for the initial edits, and to my co-producer Tom, who's been working super hard to bring you these edits. And of course, to you guys for listening. See you in the next one. Bye. Good job. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.